Please follow me. He led me round the greenhouse and along the side of the house. Over his shoulder I got a glimpse of an extensive garden, bounded by a low stone wall with trees and fields beyond. We went in through a side door and into a corridor which led to the kitchen. There was the dresser, still with two rows of plates on view, but with one shelf bare. I examined the dresser and the pieces of broken plates in a sack in the corner, without seeing anything of significance. Then we went upstairs and into a sitting room, whose furniture and decoration were all in the taste of fifty years ago. He pulled back the curtains to allow me to inspect the overmantel and fireplace, where again I drew a blank. But as we were about to leave the room, I noticed a rectangle of lighter tint on one wall, which seemed to indicate that a picture had been removed from its place after hanging there for some time. At that very moment, we heard a colossal crash outside the room, the sound of splintering wood and breaking glass, and the curious striking of a bell. We both ran to the door. On opening it, we saw that a majestic long-case clock had fallen from its position at the top of the flight of stairs leading to the second floor, and hurtled down onto the tired landing where we stood, knocking out banisters and tearing the stair carpet as it came. I ran up the stairs. It was too dark to see anything on the landing there. The gas is turned off, said Mr Morton. I'll get you a candle from the kitchen. When I had the candle in my hand, I examined the wall. No brackets had held the clock in place. It had simply decided, apparently, after fifty years or more without moving, to lean forward and plunge down headlong. All it had left, strangely, was the very faintest trace of a woman's perfume on the air. I must confess, I'm trembling, he said as I came down. Now we have seen it with our own eyes, Mr Holmes. Not quite, I replied. We heard it. I would like to look into those two rooms on the landing upstairs. They are locked, he replied. My mother will have the keys somewhere, though. I can ask her for them. I declined his offer. The point was to look into them immediately, not later. As we made our way out of the house and towards my waiting cab, I told him with apology that there was nothing I could do for his mother. I was sorry for her but I could not discern the cause of the mysterious phenomena. But, I said, I would return the following morning to see what else might fall or break while I was there. A quarter of a mile down the road, I told the cabby to stop. I got down with my haversack and paid him off. It was my plan to settle back through the fields to a coppice that stood behind the Morton house, there to make myself as comfortable as I could till nightfall. I felt sure my vigil would be rewarded somehow. It was a damp walk and a damp hiding place I found, but the game was afoot once more.